Well, good morning, guys. We had an awesome first service today, so I'm glad you've joined us for, for this. We're, we're kind of nearing the end of our series, Chasing the Wind. We've been going through the book of Ecclesiastes, and uh, we've actually got one more week. Um, so next week, um, it's going to be a good week. I'll, I'll kind of give you a little heads up. We're going to do communion as a church. Um, we're going to mix up worship a little bit, so be sure to get here early. And also, there's something else happening next week. Y'all remember what it is? Time change? So, yeah. So, so uh, yeah, if you, if you don't, if you walk in halfway through the service, we'll know who you are, okay? We'll know what happened. Um, so I'll just give you a heads up just to be ready on that. Um, but we do, uh, it's going to be a good service um, as we finish up the Ecclesiastes series. Um, I had planned on doing another series that I would say was a little heavy maybe going into Easter because Easter's only five weeks away. And I'm like, after this, Ecclesiastes has beat us up. You know, this has been like a series that's like stepped on our toes. And, and so uh, I wanted to, to we're going to change things around going into Easter. And there's a line in that song, So Will I, that um, I love it. It's at the end. It says, he's the one that never leaves the one behind, right? I love that line, um, that he never leaves the one behind. And that's kind of what I want to focus on going into Easter is he's, he chases after the one. Uh, so we're going to do a series called For the One um, and look at Luke 15 and, and the, the, the parables there and look at some uh, accounts of Jesus going after, Jesus pursuing us. Um, and so I'm really excited about that. Uh, you know, these next few weeks, I really want to encourage you to invite some people to join us. Uh, it's going to be an awesome time as we dig into Scripture and, and learn more about how Jesus is really pursuing us. So uh, anyway, that's what's coming up. Just a little heads up. Today, though, uh, we kind of get to, we near the end of Ecclesiastes. Let me give you a little bit of review first. So uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, Old Testament, Hebrew book, uh, it's commonly attributed to Solomon, the, the son of King David. Um, it's part of the wisdom book. So you have Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. But they all tackle wisdom from kind of different perspectives. Proverbs is that perspective of uh, really an optimistic viewpoint that if you pursue wisdom, then good things will happen. Ecclesiastes jumps in and says, hey, wait a minute. Um, now, you're not really guaranteed that good things will happen. And in fact, life is not always fair. And in fact, uh, life is meaningless under the sun. And so we'll explain that in a minute. And then, of course, Job is kind of this, hey, I've been through it all, God's still on the throne. And so you've got these different perspectives about wisdom. And the, the book opens in Ecclesiastes with this line, vanity of vanities, all is vanity or meaningless. Life is meaningless as it's translated. But really the more appropriate translation is life is like a vapor. It's like a mist. It, it's here one second, it's fleeting it's hard to understand. It's hard to grasp. And that's his perspective. And so Ecclesiastes is a book where he really, it's almost like an experiment of Solomon's life. He goes through life and says, I've tried to find meaning in so many different places. Um, and I keep coming up empty. It's not in pleasure. It's not in money. It's not in wisdom. It's not in any of these things. In fact, it's really apart from God, life is truly meaningless. And so uh, what did we skip? I, I'm going to skip ahead to chapter 11 today. So if you got your Bibles, you can kind of flip there. Uh, that's where we're going to be in a minute. 
Uh, I'll kind of go over some of what we skipped because we skipped a big section in the middle. A little bit because it's repeating some of the themes we've already discussed. Um, but chapter 6 talks about morality, good and evil and wise and foolish behavior. Chapter 7 is a lot about wisdom. Uh, it's similar to Proverbs in a way, the way it reads. Uh, but there's, he, he points out all this information about wisdom to say there are limitations to wisdom. Uh, wisdom doesn't always work. There's a verse in chapter 7, I'll, I'll show, show you here in, in verse 27. He says, this is my conclusion, says the teacher. I discovered this after looking at the matter from every possible angle. Though I have searched repeatedly, I have not found what I was looking for. So it's like the theme song for Ecclesiastes is I still haven't found what I'm looking for, right? But I did kind of leave the end of this verse up there too. Just, just so you know, I don't get to skip over verses sometimes when I read. Only one out of a thousand men is virtuous, but not, not one woman. That's, that was Solomon's prayer. You've got to remember, though, Solomon had 700, right? 700 wives, concubines, all this. He's like, they're all bad. He's just like, he just, they're all, it's, it's like at this point in his life, he's like, no, there, there's not a single one of them good. And, and he's a little bit, he's a little bit uh, salty about it, too, here. So you can see. Uh, so that's chapter 7. Chapter 8. Obedience is important, but there are both wicked and righteous people, and you can't always tell who is who. Um, and so he kind of talks about that a little bit. Chapter 9, one thing is certain in life, and that's death. And, and hard times are going to come to everybody. Chapter 10 is more about wise and foolish people. And then we get to chapter 11. Um, and chapter 11, he starts to talk about getting old. Okay, and so guess what we get to talk about today? That's another encouraging, uplifting message from Cornerstone about getting old. And I'll say, like, you know, 15, 20 years ago, I would have read this message and thought, man, the old people have it rough, right? Now, old, <laughs> now at the place I'm at in my life, you know, um, I'm, I turned 50 this year. So, uh, uh, you know, I've mentioned that a few times. Can you tell it's bothering me? Right? It's like at this point in my life, I'm getting to that place where like, okay, that used to sound really old. It's not old anymore. Um, and this is much more real, right, as you start talking about some of this stuff now, the closer you get on that backside of life. So um, let me just say this. It's been said that inside every old person is a young person wondering what has happened. I can, I, can, I, can, I, can, I can definitely agree with that. We live in a society that struggles with aging. Uh, we don't like getting old. Um, and, and if we're young, you, you don't even think about getting old, right? Because you have an endless supply of days ahead of you, and you've got an endless supply of energy. And so you don't even think about getting old. Um, one pastor said this. He said, why do we ignore aging? The reason we ignore aging is that we fear death. And since aging reminds us of our mortality, we desperately try to escape it. Yet no matter how much effort we exert to be healthy and safe, the bottom line is that we get about 100 years max in this world. You know, you, you think about this and you look at Hollywood and you look at movies and you look at how we're fascinated by stories of people who don't age. Right? And, 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 and we're fascinated with time travel, going back to when we were younger. And we, we kind of dream about when we were younger. And, and, and all these things 
you know, I, I think that we just have this fascination with not aging because none of us really want to go there. there there's a song uh, in, in the bluegrass world because everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. An old gospel song. All right. And that's kind of the thing. We like talking about heaven as long as we don't have to, 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 to get old and on our way to get there. And, and so that's kind of the, the thing. You, you see this in our world because we have such an obsession for plastic surgery, right? People want to look young. And so you see all these people, you see all these actors, and, and you see all these musicians at the award shows. You get up and you're like, that doesn't look like them anymore. I'm not going to call out any names, but some of those people, they have been stretched and Botoxed a lot. You know, um, you just look at everything. It just, we have this fascination. So what we look at, our society in some ways is different from many societies around the world. In, in the U.S., we don't, we don't really revere old people as much, right? Uh, and, and other cultures, they're held up in esteem for their wisdom and their knowledge. And in the U.S., you're kind of cast aside and forgotten about. And everybody's fascinated with, you know, just being young. And so that's a problem. And I think Solomon is at the point in his life where he's looking back and saying, I've got some wisdom to pass down to the next generation. I've got some things I've learned along the way, and I want to impart my wisdom to those who come after me. And so much of Ecclesiastes is about that. He wants to tell us, hey, you can remember your youth, but now is when you make the decisions that are going to affect the rest of your life. And so there's some things you can't put off. There's some things you've got to do now. There's some things that you've got to understand while you're young in order to have a life, right, that is full of joy as you get older. And so the reality is knowing that, right, understanding that we're aging, accepting the fact that we all are approaching death, right, that's not something we're going to escape, it affects how we live today. It changes the choices we make. It shows us what's important. It, it kind of refocuses our energy and our attention where it needs to be. And I feel like that's what Ecclesiastes does through the whole book. It's like, I've tried all this stuff. I've got, had more money and more wealth and, and more success and, and more all of this, more pleasure than anybody else who's ever lived. And I'm telling you, it will leave you empty. That's not what is important in life. He keeps pointing us back to our faith in God. Uh, David Gibson, in his book, um, Living Life Backwards, he said, Putting one foot in the grave is the way to plant the other on the path of life. The Bible's realism about old age and death is both urgent, that we need to rejoice, and calm, that we need to remember. And Philip Ryken says in his book, Whether we are young or old or somewhere in between, Ecclesiastes can help us. The preacher who wrote this book teaches us to celebrate the joys of life at any age. But he's also honest about the troubles that come with growing old. And so by the wisdom of the Spirit, he calls us to live well, however old we happen to be. And so I would say that this morning. If you're young, this message is for you. If you're old, this message is for you. If you're somewhere in between, this message is for you. Right? Because I think this is something that affects all of us, that we need to understand that you're going to blink and you're going to turn around and it's going to be a decade has passed. 
and then another decade, and then another, and they just keep rolling on. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning, your encouraging morning at Cornerstone. We're going to talk about getting old. So first point as we jump in today, we should remember that life is a gift. When we start thinking about our life, we need to remember that each and every single day that we are alive is a gift from God. If you've got, you know, that song, the Cain's got a song on the radio, if you've got air in your lungs and breath, you know, have you heard that song? It's a joy song. That's, that, that's what I'm thinking. If you are alive, you need to be joyful about it. You've got something to celebrate. Um, every day above ground is a good day. And so we've got to remember that. And um, do you ever wish that you could be young again with the knowledge you have now? Have you ever thought that? Because I, I, I look back to when I was young, and there's a whole lot of bad decisions I made. That I, and I'm thinking, man, if I would have known what I know now back then, my life, there would have there been some different. But I'm thankful for where I am now. I'm thankful for those experiences that have formed me and shaped me into the person I am and that have allowed me to be here. But I think Solomon, he was looking back, and I really think he had some regrets. I think he was looking back on his life, and I think he was struggling with the choices he had made. He had lived a lot and experienced a lot, and looking back, I think he had some pretty big regrets. Um, you know, Solomon, he's consistently made the point. That if pleasure is the only thing, if, if the things of this world are, the, are what life is all about, then it's meaningless. And he's getting old now, and death is coming, and he's understanding that, and that's why he's pointing us back to what's really important. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, we'll pick it up. This is the main passage today, this in chapter 12, um, beginning of chapter 12. He says this, he says, light is sweet. How pleasant to see a new day dawning. When people live to be very old, let them rejoice in every day of life. But let them also remember that there will be many dark days. Everything still to come is meaningless. Young people, it is wonderful to be young. Enjoy every minute of it. Do everything you want to do. Take it all in. But remember that you must give an account to God for everything you do. So refuse to worry and keep your body healthy, but remember that youth with a whole life before you is meaningless. And again, that word meaningless, uh, that word, it just simply means vapor, smoke, mist. It's brief, it's futile, it's hard to understand, it's hard to grasp, all this. Um, so again, as we read this, He's reminding us that whether we're young or whether we're old, we are called to be joyful. We are called to enjoy life. Jesus even said in John 10.10, 10, I've come that you may have life and have it to its fullest or have abundant life. Right? He's reminding us that, that enjoyment is not just permitted for Christians, it's commanded. Paul says over and over again, rejoice, rejoice. You know, in good times you rejoice, in bad times you rejoice. In all things you give thanks to God. And so we're reminded of this throughout Scripture. And yet, we forget to give, to be thankful. We forget to be joyful in everyday life. And so 
I would say this. When you're young, uh, I, I can say this for myself. I can't say it for everybody. I, I think you don't understand how blessed you really are. Amen? I think you don't understand it. You know, you think back to being a teenager. Um, you, you know, you think school is rough. But man, uh, you have no responsibilities. Um, you are full of life and full of energy and full of dreams. And, and you haven't experienced a lot of life yet to leave you bitter and disappointed and hurt and broken. And, and so as we go through life, we kind of pick up some scars along the way. And, and, and Solomon is kind of pointing us back saying, okay, remember the days of your youth. It's wonderful to be young. It's wonderful to be innocent. It's, it's, those, are, those are wonderful days. And he's saying when you're young, man, take advantage of it. Enjoy your life. And, and, and I'll talk about that in a minute, though. There, there's limits to that. As we start growing older, though, and gaining responsibility, what happens, though, is we quickly lose the joy and innocence of childhood. Um, and, and so what often happens is that we lose, you know, when you're young, you don't have a lot of joy sometimes just because you take it for granted. As you get older, you don't have a lot of joy because you're too busy. You always put it off. You're like, I I'll enjoy life one of these days when the kids get out of the house or when I get this car paid off or when I uh, get this job that I want. We, we push it out and we keep thinking, I don't have time to really, I, I don't have a lot to be joyful about right now because it's just, there's so much on me. There's so much pressure and so much responsibility. And one of these days... And the problem is, right, we do that all the way up until we retire. We do that all the way up until we say, I still, we have all these hopes and dreams and aspirations and desires and we want to do all this stuff and we get to the point where we're unable to do them any longer. That's what Solomon's speaking to here. And so one minute, I mean, in life, one minute you're coming home from the hospital with your baby, the next you're dropping them off for the college the next, they're having kids. I mean, it just like flow, it blows, it's, it blows by so fast in life. And we've got to remember that life is a gift. Solomon also says, hey, be careful here. Yes, you should enjoy life, but there are limits, right? Some people take enjoyment to the extreme, right? Some people, when you talk about enjoying life, they're like, hey, Sit back, watch, I, I'll, I can take care of this, I can enjoy life. And they make it all about themselves. And so, if, if my life is a gift, we've got to be careful not to make our life all about ourselves. We've got to understand there's a giver. And we acknowledge Him, we respond to Him, we honor Him by the choices we make. And so what Solomon does here and says, hey, I want you to enjoy life, but enjoy it the way that God intended. And so he reminds us that as... As we get here to the end of the book. And he says, hey, there is a God and you will be accountable to him. So the choices you make, the actions you, you do, the, the things you think even, you're going to be held accountable to the God who created you. So enjoy life, but remember, you do stand before God one day. Just a way of saying, okay, where is our focus? Where does it go? It goes back to God. And so uh, that means that we can enjoy life, but we enjoy it responsibly. We enjoy life and we honor God at the same time. And so um, I think too often, I would say it this way, right? I think as Christians, we compartmentalize our life a little bit. We, we say, okay, there's, here's the, the church box, the holy box, 
the, the part of my life where, okay, I'll, I'll do the right thing and I'll honor God and I know the things to say and the things I'm supposed to do and that we'll go to church and act like the Christian I'm supposed to and, and that's over here in this box. And so th- there's a time and place for being holy and reverent and responsible. But then for a lot of people, there's a second box over here. And this is the box that you're, you put all the stuff with your friends in. And you're like, well, when uh, in this, this compartment, right, I really enjoy life. I do whatever I want to do. I, I have fun. I think about, right, and we compartmentalize. And those are two separate things. What I would say, what I think the Bible would teach, and what I think Solomon is pointing us to, is those, we shouldn't have compartments. We've got to tear down the dividers and understand that all of life honors God. All of life we will stand before Him and, 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 and be held accountable. That our whole life is all about, yes, we enjoy life, but we enjoy it responsibly by living the life that God intended and planned for us. That's how we find true joy. That's how we find satisfaction. That's, why, that's how we find our purpose. When we live life the way that God planned and intended, He doesn't have rules to rob us of our joy. He doesn't have commandments to to make us miserable. He gives them so that we can find the joy that only comes from from a relationship with the God who created us. That's the true joy and purpose that we have. Now, in the middle of all this, I, I would kind of back up and say He's already established the point that Life is not always fair. So your joy doesn't come from things happening the way you want them to happen. Your, your joy doesn't come from life working out. Like We get so excited sometimes when things work out the way we have planned. Uh, you know, We love it when a plan comes together and everything works out. And we're like, this is great. And we get, he's saying, that doesn't always happen. Back in chapter 9, I'll back up. He gives a, a little for, a, a passage here that I think is... It helps us understand. He says, I observed something else under the sun. The fastest runner doesn't always win the race. The strongest warrior doesn't always win the battle. The wise sometimes go hungry. And the skillful are not necessarily wealthy. And those who are educated don't always lead successful lives. It is all decided by chance, by being in the right place at the right time. People could never predict when hard times might come. Like fish in a net or birds in a trap, people are caught by sudden tragedy. Our joy does not come, it does not flow from what happens to us. Life is not fair. Life is not predictable. You, you don't know how your life is going to turn out. You, you don't, you're, not, you're not happy because, uh, every, and we talked about this last week, the problem with the, the whole prosperity gospel that, that every, you know, we should be healthy, wealthy, and wise. And that's not all, life doesn't always turn out the way we expect. And so uh, we don't enjoy life because it's fair. We enjoy life because it is a gift. Um, and, and so you can either spend time complaining or you can spend your life living. And Solomon say, don't complain, be content, be joyful, enjoy life, but, be, but, but understand where the gift of life comes from, because our life is a gift from God. And that kind of brings me to my second point. Uh, we enjoy life because it's a gift, but we also understand that we should remember our Creator who gave us life. He just keeps pointing us back, remember your Creator, remember your Creator. 
um, in the days of your youth. Um, we find ourselves now at a, at a place in Ecclesiastes that if you've read it before, it's very poetic. Uh, it can also be a little discouraging, right? Um, because we get to this place where he starts laying out. He gives us all these uh, examples of what old age is like. Uh, these, these metaphors, so to speak, uh, uh, of, of old age. And so he wants us to remember that, okay, we need to, to turn to God while we can, while we still have the ability. Uh, it's not something that we put off. We remember our Creator. He created us. It's a, it's a gift. Yes, all that. But he wants to give us this picture of aging and death to remind us, now is the time to serve God. And so in the, the original language, this is like one big, long, run-on sentence. Like if you read this, you would be out of breath. That's it's just kind of like, okay, here it all is. Here's what's happening to you. And it, you either accept it uh, or, or you, you kind of you, you fight against it. So again, this is pretty dramatic imagery in, in chapter 12. He says, don't let the excitement of your youth cause you to forget your Creator. Honor Him in your youth, before you grow old and say, life is not pleasant anymore. So here's that theme again, right? We honor him. We, we live a responsible life. And then verse 2, remember him before the light of the sun, moon, and stars is dim to your old eyes. That's why I have my reading glasses up here. Just in case. Sometimes my eyes don't work like they're supposed to. So uh, things get a little blurry, right? Um, remember him before your legs. Uh, uh, the guards of your house start to tremble, and before your shoulders the strong men stoop. Remember him before your teeth, your few remaining servants stop grinding, and before your eyes uh, the women looking through the window see dimly. Remember him before the door to life's opportunity is closed and the sound of work fades. Now you rise at the first chirping of the birds, but then all their sounds will grow faint. Remember him before you become fearful of falling and worry about danger in the streets before your hair turns like turns white like an almond tree in bloom and, and and you drag along without energy like a dying grasshopper and the caperberry no longer inspires sexual desire remember him before you near the grave your everlasting home when your mourners will weep at your funeral yes remember your creator now while you are young before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken don't wait until the water jar is smashed at the spring and the pulley is broken at the well, for then the dust will return to the earth and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. Exciting stuff! Wow, I love this. Remember Him. That's what it said over and over there. Remember Him. Remember Him while you can. Um, Bono, the singer for U2, he kind of, his one of his favorite books is Ecclesiastes, and he said it's a book about a character who wants to find out why he's alive, why he was created. He tries knowledge, he tries wealth, he tries experience, he tries everything. You hurry to the end of the book to find out why, and it says, remember your creator. We simply cannot forget the God who created us. Even as life gets old, even as we age, even as we draw near to death, this is a picture of what happens. Right? We enjoy Him, we turn to Him now while we can, and we, as we age, we remember what He has done and how good He has been throughout our life. Uh, this whole passage uh, is kind of, it's pretty memorable, right? I mean, it's, uh, 
if you read, read it in different translations, especially some of the more literal translations, um, it's very poetic. Um, uh, but I also like reading it from some of the more modern, modern translations, like, like the NLT and um, even the message, which is a paraphrase. Uh, it's kind of interesting. I, I think I'll put it up here too in, in, tw- in chapter 12, verse 3 through 5. And it says this, In old age, your body no longer serves you so well. Muscles slacken, your grip weakens, joints stiffen. The shades are pulled down on the world. You can't come and go at will. The things grind to a halt. The hum of, of the household fades away. You're waking now by birdsong. Hikes to the mountains are a thing of the past. Even a stroll down the road has its terrors. Your hair turns apple blossom white, adorning a fragile and, and impotent matchstick body. You're on your way to eternal rest while your friends make plans for your funeral. See, aren't you glad you came to church today? It's good to be in the house of the Lord. You know, the, the thing is, though, if we don't, even when we're young, if we, this, this is something that we all face. Aging is part of our life. We are here but a short time. And when we understand that, it influences how we live today. It means we take advantage of every single day we have. It gives us an urgency to tell people about Jesus. It helps us to understand that we have a purpose and we don't delay putting that off for another day because we, our days are getting shorter, right? Um, and so he talks about all these things about your, your muscles beginning to fail and your teeth, you know, your grinders are, are, you know, go missing and chewing's difficult, your hearing fades and uh, the white hair and... All this stuff, the grasshopper talks about your joints don't move like they used to, the, uh, the loss of sexual desire, which for Solomon was a big deal with all of his wives and concubines and all this. And, and I mean, he, he's, he has no teeth, he cannot move, he cannot see, he cannot hear, and he's not interested in sex anymore. That's, that's, that's Solomon's point of view here. And he's saying, man, you can understand why he says life is meaningless, <laughs> He's gotten to, he said, apart from God. We got to add that in, apart from God. He's saying all this stuff, all this stuff that you've spent your whole life thinking is what you want and what you need and what you desire, that's not really where true enjoyment comes from. It's just a reminder over and over again. And I know this can be a little depressing, but, but the certainty of death reminds us that we've got to live now. And we've got to remember God while we can. Uh, while we can and and avoid living the rest of our life with regrets we don't want to end up at the end of our life thinking i wish i would have and and have all these regrets of things we wish we would have done and could have done and should have done we need to understand right and i think that's really the important practical question that comes out of this is how can we live so that when we are old when it comes when our life will be fulfilling, it'll be happy, it'll be a life that we can look back on without regrets, a life that honors God, a life that we can hear one day, well done, my good and faithful servant. I mean, this to me, I mean, that's, the, the, that's what I pull out of this. It's like we need to understand that this influences how we live right now. And that brings me to my last point. We should remember that God is the one who gives our life meaning. It's not in all this other stuff. As we near the end of the book, in, in verse 8, he reminds us one last time this theme that's repeated over and over again. Uh, everything is meaningless. 
says the teacher, completely meaningless. And again, throughout this book, he said repeatedly, under the sun, everything is meaningless. Under the sun, from our earthly human perspective, life doesn't always make sense. It doesn't, it, it's like a vapor, it's like a mist, we don't understand it. Uh, under the sun. But there's another perspective, a divine perspective, a, a perspective above the sun that looks down and that makes sense of this life that we live in. And so apart from God, your life really doesn't have true meaning. So we've got to remember him. And, and so um, I love what Philip Ryken says. He says, remember your creator. Grow in your relationship with the living God. Keep the God who made you clearly in mind. Know his son. Walk with his spirit under the lordship of Jesus Christ. This is the wise counsel of Ecclesiastes. And, these are all, and there are all kinds of reasons for us to follow it. Remember your creator because he is your creator, the source of youth and strength. Today is a day to praise the God who made you. Celebrate the gifts that God has given you. Whatever capacity of reason you have, whatever skill in communication, whatever creativity in music and the arts, whatever rigor in science, whatever strength in athletics, whatever heart for friendship, whatever compassion for people in need. These are all gifts from your creator. Praise Him for making you just the way you are. God is our Creator. He is the one that knows you better than anyone else. Ecclesiastes reminds us, remember Him. Remember Him. Think back. Understand, He is your God. He is your Creator. But I think it also points us forward to Jesus because Jesus not only is our Creator, He is our Sustainer, He is our Redeemer. In Colossians 1, it says this. It says, for through him, through Jesus, right? God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see. Such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in, in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. That's what everything is about. It all points back to Jesus. And the thing I, I want to just tell you right we've got to understand it's only when we trust God fully and we're satisfied in him that we can find the meaning that God has created for our life we think we can find it in all these other places but it really is in Jesus the problem right this is one of the fundamental problems Ecclesiastes shares for us is that we worship the gift rather than the giver in life, so we worship the gift. Romans 1 says it this way, that we worship the created things rather than the creator God. Same thing, right? We think these things will bring us meaning. We think all this stuff in life is what we really need. When, when we, in reality, all we really need is Jesus. That's what our life... We, the problem, when we worship the created things, we end up broken. We, we end up... People searching for meaning, hurt and lonely and scared. And God says, that's the reason I sent Jesus, to put the broken back together again. And so whether you're young and you're struggling or whether you're old and, and you're dealing with regret, Jesus is the one that can meet our deepest need. Jesus is the one that can put the broken back together again. And, and the thing is, we've got to remember God because he remembers you. Jesus remembered you as he went to the cross to take on your sin and suffering upon himself. 
Jesus remembered you as he rose from the grave three days later. He remembered you. All right. He remembered you as he ascended to heaven and sat at the right hand of the Father and intercedes for you on, on, on behalf of you with the Father. I mean, this is, this, is, this is incredible, right, to understand his love for us. Romans says he demonstrates his love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's what I love. I mean, even in the Old Testament, we see this foreshadowing. We see this pointing forward to Jesus, the one who can fix our deepest needs. And so my question for you this morning, right, um, is do you really remember the God who created you? Are you trying to find your fulfillment apart from that? David Gibson said this, summing it all up in one, only Christ can make any life, young or old, truly beautiful and truly happy. Only He can cure the heart's restless fever and give quietness and calmness. Only He can purify the sinful fountain within us, our corrupt nature, and make us holy. To have a peaceful and blessed ending to life, we must live it with Christ. Such a life grows brighter even to its close. Its last days are the sunniest and the sweetest. I want to close with just sharing this passage from one of Paul's letters um, to, to Titus. And I want you to think about this, 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 this change that takes place in each and every one of us when we put our faith and trust in Jesus. There's a change that takes place. It's because we no longer live for ourselves, it's now we live for our Creator. We trust Him with our life. We trust Him with the plans for our life. And, and everything is about now living in His kingdom instead of making a kingdom for ourselves. It says this in Titus chapter 3, Once we were, we too, we, we were foolish, we were disobedient. We were misled. We became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of envy, uh, full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. It sounds a lot like what Ecclesiastes has been talking about. But when God our Savior revealed His kindness and love, He saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out His Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of His grace, He made us right in His sight, and He gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. So as we close today, that's my question for you. Do you have that kind of confidence in eternal life? Have you trusted Jesus to save you, not because of what you have done, but because of His grace and His mercy, because of what He has done for you. I'm going to pray, and then the praise team's going to come back up. Heavenly Father, today we are just thankful we can dig into Your Word. And even in these passages that can be a little discouraging sometimes, we still see hope. We still see Jesus. I'm so thankful for that, that in Scripture it all is about Jesus. Lord, I pray for every single one of us as we grow older. Each and every day we're getting older, we're getting more mature, uh, we're growing in our faith. I, my prayer is that you would just keep reminding us, showing us how much you love us and how important it is for us to remember our Creator. Lord, I, I'm thankful that we can honor you with our life today, that we don't have to put it off. And for each and every person here, I hope they have confidence in eternal life. Your word tells us that we can know that we have eternal life. And, and that comes through a, a relationship with the God who created us. 
And that relationship is started when we make Jesus the Lord of our life. When we put our trust and our faith in Jesus to save us. And so this morning, my prayer, Lord, is for each and every person here. There'd be no doubt about where they stand before you. They would know you as their Lord and Savior. They would have confidence in the fact that you went to the cross on our behalf. That if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sin, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That when we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, when we believe in our heart, God, that you raised Jesus from the dead, that we'll be saved. That's the promise from your word. So for every person, Lord, let us be able to speak that confidently. Let us be able to surrender our life before you and say, we're going to trust you. We're going to follow you. And for our young people, we pray with all the many temptations they face that they would remember their creator and their days of their youth, that right now would be the time that they give their life to you. For anybody else, for all of us, we pray that wherever we're at in life, Lord, that we would honor you. That we'd make our life about you. Jesus, we just thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.